Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. No, I mean, we're staying in a Marriott property that looks like little houses, and we've got two bedrooms and a little center room, so we each have our own place. It, it's solid. It works. And if you're wondering, Dane did get the pullout couch. Low man on a totem pole. It's only right. That's <laughs> up. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to On the Bench. I am your host, Brendan Sinone, joined by Chris Nee, Zach Blostein, and somewhere uh, chilling, Dane Draper. Hello, gentlemen. You're all in the same hotel room. Is that weird? No, it's a very large room. We're fine. We're grown people. We're good. Where's Dane sleeping? On the pod couch. All right. That's what happens when you're the intern. All right. So, Chris, Zach, and Dane all made it to Jacksonville to cover FSU's a two-day camp at uh, UNF. So they went to North Florida for a couple of days in Jacksonville. And, uh, and yeah, kind of a – well, Chris, what, what, how would you describe it? It's not like a team building. It's just to kind of make guys uncomfortable and to, to throw a little it, curveball in camp. It's both. It's a getaway. It's to have kind of a run-through. You're going to have four or five road games this year where you got to get on the bus, leave everything, go do this. It gets everybody away from their girlfriends and everything at home that concerns them. Uh, then their cell phones are pretty disconnected. Um, it forces guys to share rooms, therefore a little more connecting there. They do some team organized activities. There's good things about that for it. But yeah, the practice setting is very different. It's one field, no indoor. It's not a particularly great field in the sense of just not having all the uh, accommodations and commodities you're looking for with a field. It, it makes you uncomfortable. It's also hot and humid. It's the, nat- the natural Jacksonville summer era that we're so used to. Last year was truthfully hotter than today. Because uh, there were some clouds in the sky today, but it was still plenty humid. So I think they were happy about getting that. So you're halfway through. You got one day tomorrow. You guys are also taking a tour, talking to some different high school recruits. You got Rod Curdy and the IHOP uh, backplate, which is pretty cool today. We'll talk about that a little bit as well. A lot of recruiting developments, including uh, one commitment today, one last week that we talked about kind of on the feed and, and uh, on our YouTube feed and podcast feed, but we haven't talked to Chris about it. Uh, hopefully there's no angry parents uh, that are watching this time. Uh, so we'll get to all that, but let's talk a little bit about camp the last few days. We'll talk about what today in Jacksonville was like and get your thoughts on that. Uh, but I want to start off with yesterday. Well, two things. Uh, first off, there was some news. Of course, I was not around. I was absent uh, in Atlanta for the Red Hot Chili Pepper concert. Thanks for carrying the water there for me, fellas. I'm glad I left on a day where there was totally nothing going on. Uh, but the news was, uh, according to Mike Norvell and a statement from Caden Lyles, is that the transfer center uh, was lost for the season with a injury that was sustained in practice. They didn't specify what the injury was. Uh, we believe it to be a leg injury, knee injury. Uh, so, yeah, that's, to me, a pretty big blow for Florida State's depth on the offensive line. We've talked about how much the depth has been improved with the additions of transfers like Caden Lyles uh, to lose him before the season even gets started, Chris. Uh, that's a toughie. Yeah, it's disappointing for the young man. I didn't think he was going to win the job. I truthfully thought Marie Smith was going to based on 
observing both in practices, but it's a great thing to have a very capable backup. No matter who ended up winning that job, you felt much better about the one-two punch than you did a season ago. Now that is gone. That no longer exists. The uh, options are obviously younger guys. For example, Thomas Schrader, who missed all of last year with injury, or the situation last year where your third center was Darius Washington, who is sort of a break glass in case of emergency guy at the position. So you feel like you're kind of back in that boat. It's disappointing because he felt like they had, to some degree, remedied that position. Uh, to Caden Lyle's credit, him coming into the program massively helped Maurice Smith take a step forward. He did get bigger. He worked very hard at it. He was very determined not to lose his job. I think that was a good thing for Maurice. The other thing is Caden Lyles is a good dude. Like He's still around the team. He wants to go through stuff with the team. He wants to be part of the team. I think it speaks to his character, and it's good to see. It's disappointing. He's been beat to hell in his college career. It's not his first injury. Yeah, just thanks for the young man because I think he was hoping to have kind of a final go-around where he didn't have to deal with such a thing. I think there's potential. One thing to clarify, he's a six-year senior, but with uh, initial redshirt when he was a, a freshman and then the COVID year in 2020 not counting against eligibility. Like I think there's a chance that Florida State could apply for a medical waiver, whether that's something that both parties want to explore. Yeah, I'm not sure yet, but I do think that that at least does exist. Mike uh, Norvell was asked about that on yesterday, and he left it open-ended. He said that they'll explore all possibilities. Yeah, and then he didn't want to get into it. So, yeah, that, that's a good way to, to put it. Uh, people are going to ask about just the offensive line depth at center. Uh, there's some things and limitations what we can say about depth charts or availability at certain spots. Um, I do think it's fair like for for us to at least have opinions and express opinions. Of, the only thing I'll say on that is that I am I do have my concerns about the position. Kind of what Chris alluded to, you thought you remedied some of the depth. And to me, Ken Lyles was brought in to start or worst case scenario, be an insurance policy to Marie Smith. Uh, that safety net has been removed. And so the margin for error at a pretty important position, one that you know, literally touches the ball every single play, uh, is marginalized a little bit. So that's going to be something to follow throughout camp and, and the season. And if you're FSU, you really have to have your you – know, keep your fingers crossed that you can keep Marie Smith healthy all year. And if, if not, that the depth is, is solid behind them, that you can either develop someone like a Darius Washington or, or a Thomas Schrader, some of the other pieces they've looked at as well. Yeah. They they've run six, seven guys out there at center, giving them chances to snap varying degrees of success. Um, you know, I mentioned Schrader, I mentioned Washington. I think those are the main two. I've been surprised. We've not seen more Bryson Estes at that position. He's been good at guard done a very good job working at guard in the preseason. So I think that's some of it, but he is a guy who we know who has done it in the past. So it would be interesting to me if they start maybe a guy like him or a guy like Antavius Woody, potentially giving them an opportunity and see what it is just because you kind of got to figure it out. It's offensive line guys get banged up. Depth can quickly disappear out of position. Center's obviously a little bit more unique than any other position on the O-line because you have to be a capable snapper to mm-hmm. execute the position. I remember Zach and I went to uh, Lee County last year, and Quayshon Sapp was snapping as well. He's yeah. another freshman that you know, yeah. was trying to get cross-trained at that, even when he was in high school. Uh, Dylan Gibbons, I can edit this out, but I thought he was mentioned by Coach Norvell, right, Chris? Yeah, and Gibbons has done some. We've seen Sapp do it. I believe Zane Herring's had an opportunity. David Stick was a walk-on who's done it. Schrader, Washington, Lyles, Smith. Those are the guys offhand I can think of that I've seen take a snap at some point this preseason. It's amazing. We enter camp thinking about the talking about the depth being the storyline, how different the offensive line looks, and it still does. You're able to absorb like 
this kind of injury better than you would have been a year ago, but that shows why you stockpile the offensive line position and why FSU allocated the scholarships that it did into that room, 19 scholarships, 10 additions in this offseason alone, four of them transfers. One of them's down already for the season, so not a great start to that. Uh, Zach, do you want to talk about the center position or do you want to talk about J-Trav? I'll, I'll give you the, the opportunity to pick one or the other here. Uh, J-Trav, that, that sounds way more interesting and fun. <laughs> okay, um, all right. Let's talk about Jordan Travis. Apparently, I left. I left for a day, and he decided to just light it up. So there you never go. come back to a practice, please, <laughs> ever again. That was the most fun practice I've ever covered at Florida State. That was awesome. I mean, Chris and I and Dane were on the sidelines, like literally, like Chris can Chris can mention, like he he was giddy at like what he was watching. I mean, it was it was beautiful. Like Jay Trav was executing that offense to pure perfection. Every one of his throws were, was crisp. It was on target. It was delivered at the right time. He was making the right decisions in the pocket. He was making the right reads. I mean, these – and a lot of people are saying, oh, that, that must have been the, the defense just slacking um, and, and not performing well. I don't really think so. Yes, there were certain plays where a DB got beat. But it was more so the fact that a receiver would get, you know, a, a sliver of an opportunity to be open, um, not even, like, wide open, just, like, you know, enough to, to get the ball in there. And, and Jay Trav would deliver a perfect ball. There were two instances of that. I think the one was to Micah Pittman, the other to Keyshawn Helton. They were perfectly placed at the goal line, and the, the two receivers came down with it. it. It was it was awesome to watch. And, I mean, those last couple – I mean, there were there were drives um, that, that just – everything seemed to function for, for Jay Trav in that offense, and it was it was really fun to watch. And I think that's, you know, not to the, to the extent of what we saw – um, was it yesterday or the day before? But the offenses look really good under J Trap's uh, guidance um, since you know, I mean, th- really throughout the whole fall camp. Like, yeah, it's been consistent. That that, that day was incredible. To watch. So it was, it was Tuesday off. that he had a really good day, and Tuesday to me was like the first Friday of camp. Those are days where FSU looks optimal. They look as good as they can be offensively. I feel like they have a good first team defense that gives me confidence in what they are capable of being as a football team. But to be that, you got to stack days on top of each other. That is what FSU is now working towards. That's the next stage of what they're trying to beat. But uh, Tuesday, J Trap, it was fun. I mean, Wednesday, he came out, wasn't it? It was Wednesday. No, I was no. there Tuesday. It was and then Wednesday. I left. It was Wednesday. I'm sorry. My I, know, I know the days are getting confused Thursday. with going to to camp and whatnot. I know. But he he just. He hit throw after throw. He bread basket throw to Micah Pittman down the sideline early. He missed one long to Pittman towards the pylon on the left side. But, I mean, it's really nice throw on the fingertips of Pittman. Pittman made a hell of an effort. It's super close to being that play that happens. And that's about one of the only times the ball hit the turf on the day when Jay Trav was leading the offense. It, it, was, it was enjoyable. There was a palpable buzz in the air late in that practice with what he did when they went after it. And they got going. They got in rhythm, and they were hitting shots, and they were hitting plays. Guys were winning 50-50 balls, something we haven't seen around these parts in a long time with any kind of frequency. But Malik McClain, I believe it was, took one away from Renardo Green. Johnny Wilson takes one off the fingertips of AZ Thomas. That kind of ended the practice. Uh, Mike Norvell enjoyed that one a good bit, really good. And today, you know, it slowed down some degree. It was a back-and-forth kind of practice. But there were still moments where there were really nice shot plays, and they weren't only from Jordan Travis. There was – Tate hit some. AJ Duffy had one. Jordan had some of his own. Jordan put a ball to Johnny Wilson in the corner today in the end zone where Johnny Wilson sticks a foot down. It's a touchdown. 
that play is pretty much not one you can defend when it's executed perfectly and they yeah. nailed it and Mike Norvell loved it. And there's moments like that where it's like, man, they are capable of being pretty damn good offensively because I do think they're going to be able to run the ball at a high clip. But if they can throw it with any kind of frequency and uh, high efficiency, you feel pretty good about what they can be. But again, they have to stack that stuff constantly. It has to be a regular thing. The receivers have to catch it consistently. I would say the receivers have done a better job as camp has progressed of securing the ball effectively, consistently as a whole group. That's a good thing. The other thing is there's a lot of receivers that we're seeing better things from. Tron had a decent day today. Uh, him and I believe it was Tate. It might have been Jordan. I can't recall off the top of my head, but it's in a practice story that I wrote today. They had about three in a row at one point where they were just connecting. He's done some stuff. Malik McClain's been really good in camp. Uh, you know, Keyshawn is kind of the old man in the group, but he's had some really good moments. Pokey Wilson's been pretty consistent. Johnny Wilson's really come on. He's done some things, and he's obviously a different kind of dude because of the way God created him. He's pretty lucky in that regard. He's starting to use those tools, and it makes FSU look like a better football team. Uh, Chris, can you confirm that you were giddy over the JTRAV performance on Tuesday? Is that a fair oh, description? I, I was you? excited. I like. I enjoyed the hell out of it. I I like good football, and, well, we haven't had a lot around here in recent years, so I'm down for it being good. I just need to see it consistently before I, I get to the point where I'm moving off that number for the win total. Uh, Byers-Sanone, FSU scores. I'm going to set the line. Byers-Sanone, I don't know if it's going to work this way. Let's just do it anyways. Byers-Sanone. Over under 2.5 games, FSU scores above 40 points this season. Mind you, they only scored over 40 points once last season. That was 59 against UMass. Yeah, I think they're far more capable of it. Um, they, they've got some guys in the receiving core who are better. Micah Pittman can run routes. He can get open. Johnny Wilson's a guy who's a red zone threat, but he's also becoming a threat in between the 20s. Uh, Malik McLean, I feel like, is starting to take a next step. I I feel a lot better about what their passing game is capable of being versus what it was last year. Last year, they just, they were kind of, you know, in the dead zone with options. So uh, Jonah Walden I, I asks, bye. All right. Jonah, <laughs> that was a long way to go to buy. I forgot that I did buy or Sinone, to be totally honest. <laughs> Jonah Walden asks, what was more surprising on Wednesday's uh, J Trap performance or the wide receivers performance? Zach, mm -hmm. I'll throw that to you. Not you, Chris. Sorry. Um, I mean, if you're looking at the entire camp, right? Like J Trav is like J Trav performing well. I mean, Mike Norvell even said this after the practice. He he doesn't think that that J Trav's had a bad day of camp yet, and and he's willing to to admit when guys are not performing to their level. Um, so I I I'd go with the receivers. I mean, there's been some inconsistency inconsistency with with you know drops and, and you know some laps and in, in route running, but. That day, like everything seemed to click, um, and they were catching everything. And those were contested catches; those weren't easy catches. I mean, like a lot of them were thrown really low because that was the only spot that that was really you know open to throw. There were defenders draped on either side of, of those guys. I think it was Micah Pittman and, and Keyshawn Helton, like I mentioned earlier. Um, but those those two guys did a great job of hauling it in, and we've seen um, Johnny Wilson improve in that. Uh, you know. In, in in not dropping the ball obviously you know we, we've noted that that still happens to an extent um there there is still inconsistency inconsistency i'm having a hard time uh pronouncing that word today um but there is still that it to johnny wilson's game um that's something he needs to get cl uh cleaned up a little bit more 
But man, if he can if he can consistently catch the ball, it's gonna be really scary um for, for opposing defenses. He's he's a mismatch nightmare, a guy that can really help them in the red zone. And we've seen it through camp. Like he can really change this offense. And Deuce Span's not a wild card. Um, yep. Oh, you're jumping yeah, ahead. I mean, he's, he's got work to do. He's not the best route runner in the world. He's still fairly new to that position in many ways, but he has some elite level speed and he is a guy who can stretch the field and he can certainly get behind the defense. I think you can scheme him open here and there and give yourself some opportunities to use him as a scoreboard wider. So I, I think there is that that exists too. It, that group, the receiver group, I, I don't want to make it sound like they've gone from a F to an A. They haven't but they've gotten a lot better and they do have a lot of guys that can do a lot of different things. And some of the guys that they already had have taken a bit of a step forward, namely a guy like Malik McClain. So I do feel a little bit better about where they're at. Um, and I think Jay Travis also progressed as a passer. All right. So Chris jumped ahead. Uh, I'm working on a story that I do every year. Basically it's X factors and wild cards, guys with different uh, types of upside and, uh, Basically, someone, I'll just find it this way. Uh, these are players who, with a reasonable jump forward, uh, progressing in a, in a reasonable manner, could change the complexion of their position group. But if they stay stagnant or even regress, uh, that could mean another losing season for Florida State. So I'm putting together a list of those 10 guys based on what we've heard from camp, what we have observed, uh, just looking at priorities, position groups, that kind of stuff. Uh, so I want to get your guys' thoughts on players who fit that criteria. I already have put my list together, but I am very willing to make changes now uh, before we uh, before we get there. So uh, before I publish it. So let's start off with with you, Chris. Uh, you you put in Deuce Span as a wild card. Give me two others uh, who kind of fit that bill. Hmm. I don't want to use a running back. I feel like that room's pretty respected, but Rodney Hill kind of feels that way to me. Um, yeah, that's that a makes sense. Who I think has a real shot. He's a versatile kid. He's done a good job of getting himself in the big – not getting in better shape. He's gotten bigger. And he's kept the speed and can do a lot of different things. So he's a guy I really like. I think Josh Farmer's another one. Josh Farmer's going to be in that rotation at defensive tackle, and that can, can wreak some havoc. He, you know, he's not to the consistency of those top three guys at defensive tackle, or even a guy like Jared Jackson. But he has his moments. He can be a bit of a mauler and a guy that just mashes things in the middle. So if I had to pick two, they're probably them. If you're trying to pick somebody further down the roster, you know, less thought of or a guy that we've kind of discarded. Brendan Gant, maybe, which I feel really weird saying. But he's figured out a little bit of a niche at the linebacker spot. He's not going to play snaps comparable to Lundy or Deloach or Bethune, but I think there's a role for him, and they've kind of figured that out, and he's figured out that he fits that role. That's always good when there's some symmetry with both sides of the ball. So I've also uh, another cheap article that I'm working on is breakout candidates. And I think to me, Farmer is someone I thought of as a breakout candidate and Brendan Gant uh, as well. Uh, I love Rodney Hill as a, as a potential X factor or wild card because he's someone that we liked what we saw in the spring. Right. But, but we weren't entirely sure if he was someone who would be able to contribute this season as a true freshman, uh, at the very least, like I think you have to consider using him on special teams. Not even saying in the return game, I, I, that's probably on the table, but in coverage units, uh, just finding ways to get him on the field and to kind of get his feet wet a little bit because I think he's someone that you're going to probably have to rely on and that want to rely on, I should say, in the next couple of years. He, there, there's some juice there to his game. Uh, Zach, I'll throw it to you now. Three different X factors and tell Dane to pay attention because I'm going to bring him in for, for one X factor wild card player. Dane, get in here. Um, Sorry, he's not in the room right now. He's in, he's in his separate room. 
Um, yeah, I'm sticking at the running back position, but I'm going Lawrence to a Philly. I think if LT has it gets back to the level he was at around the Clemson game before the injury, I think if he gets back to that level, he could really add a, a nice dynamic to the running back room. Um, I think he's a guy that has that that break open speed. Um, he can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's one of the best in that room at, at doing that specifically. And I think he could be a guy that that if he if he's on his game and to note, like today he looked really good. Like this was one of his best practices of the entire camp. Um, Norvell mentioned it in his press conference. I think Chris was the one that asked that question actually. Um, that he he really he's really turned it on. So he's a guy for me. Uh, next, I'm going Josh Farmer. I actually agree with that. That that was that one of the first names that came to my mind. Um, Dane Draper, actually, to my right, he he was watching the O line D line um, drills today, and, and Farmer was a guy that stood out to him. Um, he's a guy that that has seemed really disruptive on the interior throughout camp, um, and I think providing that depth to the to the guys like like Fabo and and Rob Coop, um, I think. Uh, could really help FSU, um, you know, to get those guys off the field, get some rest, so they're not having to play, you know, the entire game. Um, and then lastly, I'm going biscuit, Marcus biscuit. Douglas. Marcus and Douglas, right? Did, you know, uh, I think FSU needs to find playmakers within that tight end room. Um, a lot of different guys with a lot of different skill sets. Um, I wouldn't say there's like a, a star in that room, right? Like Cam McDonald's obviously tight end one. Um, but behind besides him, like, you know, it's there's a lot of different options they can go with. I think Marcus and Douglas provides the best ability for FSU to make plays down the field um with the tight end this season. He's trimmed down his weight. Um, he's looked, he's had some some really nice moments in camp. I think don't fight through it, clear your throat, clear yeah. it. Go ahead. <clears throat> um, let's go. That was manly. Um, yeah. So I think it was on Monday or Tuesday. He had a really nice catch over the middle. We noted it in our observations. Um, and he he's had several of those moments. So I think if he can turn it on and become a, a playmaker for them this season, that would really help the tight end room, which I think we all kind of graded pretty low, you know, confidence level wise on, on how much they're going to help this team. Cause you know, it, it, there's just a lot of unknowns, right? Like there's a lot of guys that are either young, like a Brian Courtney or guys that have been injured or walk-ons. Like th there's just a lot of, uh, you know, factors in that room. And I think uh, finding a guy like, like Marcus and Douglas, who's a big body that could move. Um, he's a, you know, former basketball player. So he has that aspect to his game. Um, so he's a guy that's, that's really interesting to me. I'll bring Dane in now. Dane, do you have an X factor that you would like to note on? Well, I just jotted down a few guys. Um, <laughs> um, I think, I mean, <laughs> Zach, Zach mentioned him, but honestly, I think Josh Farmer is like my favorite guy. He's one of my favorite guys to watch on the defensive line. He's His athleticism is definitely underrated, and I think he's got the best, like, maybe the best get off of any of the interior guys on the team, maybe. All um, right. I like it. Especially for a younger guy. Yeah, he's got some juice, and he looks older than he is. Like, he's... He's not he doesn't need to put on any extra weight. And he's got um he's got all the burst you need. So yeah, he's my main guy. And I think Byron Turner is someone you haven't mentioned. Okay. That um he he looks ready to play, I think. And um I think he could contribute this year when he's not someone that's 
being talked about enough, maybe. I like that. I think Chris and I are both. Good job, Dane. We'll, and, and Derek McClendon is. All right, all right, no, get him out. Get him out. That's too much, Dane. <laughs> <laughs> get out of here. Super Fame's getting to the set. So Byron Turner is an interesting one. To me, Byron Turner is like the line of DNs they intend to use versus DNs that are for the future. And he's either going to be right above or right below that line. I'm not he's, sure quite he's the where the line of demarcation because DNs, DE. You need help. You worked really hard at that one with the dad joke. Um, you can't make dad jokes, though, before you have kids. Just for right. the record, I want you to know that. I'm going to go let my wife know that I need to make a kid right now yeah. so that we can make dad jokes. Get after it. But, uh, yeah, Turner kind of fills that uh, spot for me. Like, I feel like Patrick Payton is the fourth man up at that position. Byron Turner's had moments where you, you see he's got a good get-off on the line, conduct that shoulder, get around the edge, does a good job finishing plays. He definitely has some stuff to him. But as Mike Norvell noted in the last week or so, he essentially is in year one of doing this mm-hmm. stuff because he missed this portion of last year because of an injury that required surgery. So, you know, he is playing a little bit of catch up, but there's definitely something there with Byron Turner. Uh, I think Chris and I are jockeying for like, who's who gets dibs on Byron Turner. I think we both like him a good deal and like what he provides. Uh, apparently Dane does as well. So uh, a quick plug, I think we will be doing our annual Knowles 24 seven draft with uh, teams, team box checkers for Chris versus team landing stickers. Myself, we have a new commissioner with Josh Newberg has gone elsewhere and, uh, and we will have Trey Rowland as our new commissioner to, uh, to conduct it later. Uh, I was gonna say this week, next week, then we're recording it on Sunday. Hopefully we'll have it out either Sunday evening, Monday morning uh, for you guys. I think it'll be fun with Trey. A running point on that, and then we'll have some guest uh, analysts as well to kind of help figure out who's who's winning uh, the the team draft. Let's see. Sam Wells in the chat asks, uh, "Who is a breakout offensive line candidate?" I will start the bidding with Bryson Estes. Chris mentioned him earlier. That's my guy. You're nodding your head, Chris. Is that uh, is that who you're going to have? I think he's definitely one that's well worth mentioning. I mean, Bless Harris kind of falls in that category. I. I'll admit that I thought Bless Harris would be a swing lineman for them, like a six or seventh man up. At this point, I expect Bless Harris to start at a very important position at right tackle more than likely. So, you know, Bless has done a phenomenal job. We spoke to Bless today. I thought he was really good. Mike Norvell, I asked him about Bless Harris today as well. Thought he had a very good comment on the young man. But Bless has surprised me. I thought it was going to take him a little bit more time to get to where he is at now. And good for him and good for FSU. It might be good content to revisit. We would have to (laughs) – Josh was the one who was helping us make the list when we ranked the impact of expected impact of transfers. And I think we all had bless Harris pretty low near the bottom, if not at the bottom, totally. And I thought the FCS to FBS jump for him would be a bit more of a task. And it's, and and he wasn't, we watched multiple games that he wasn't great at the FCS level as well, but the coaching he's taken to, and he's been responsive to everything. He's in good shape. And yeah, we, we miscalculated a little bit. He'll be someone who helps out this year for sure. If not, you know, advised to, to start for Florida State. So uh, I like that as a bid for a breakout candidate. Uh, I'm on Bryson Estes. I think he's probably a year away from being someone who legitimately breaks out. We'll see if he has to end up being like forced into action. But we've seen enough things in the preseason for me to say, like, if that happens, he can hold his own to an extent. Why are you making that face, Chris? What happened? The comment. The, oh, the comment, comment in the chat of any tips on posture. Oh, I wish I had the king of posture. Oh my god, it's all Carter Carroll's fault. He's the one that inspired all that from the Democrat. That man just has <laughs> it naturally. I wish I did. It really bumps me out that Chris has the best posture of our staff. Like that just it's 
He's the most healthy. He is the most healthy. As Caressa Nee would say, it, just because Chris never goes to the doctor doesn't make him the most healthy. He just doesn't get diagnosed <laughs> with anything. Uh, He's running around with like tons of diseases. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, I think that's everything on team stuff now. I think we can transition to recruiting. Anything else you guys want to get to? No, I mean, they, they have their second scrimmage on Saturday. One more practice here in Jacksonville on Friday. Uh, I think the second scrimmage is super important for them to kind of know who and what they are. Norvell talked earlier in the week about this kind of being a week to prove their identity. They're pushing them. They're trying to test them. They're going to see how they handle some obstacles and some things that have popped up on them that were unexpected that are, you know, going to test their will and who's willing to step up and be something more versus who's going to whittle in the moment. So they also had a talent show yesterday. Oh, Um, go on. Yeah. So, Apparently, one team was impersonating coaches. That was apparently really funny, according to Bless Harris. Um, Jamie Robinson sang NBA Youngboy song and, and basically did it during the press conference, too. He gave us, like, a little glimpse into it. So that was pretty funny. So Can Jamie uh, sing? Does, yeah, he did during the press conference. No, but can he? Like, has he got some chops? Like, can he? I, All right. I don't know. I'm okay. not one to judge. But, uh, but yeah, so they're doing team bonding stuff. I think that's a huge portion of this trip, like you guys were mentioning earlier. Like, is it team bonding? Yeah. I think it is like they're really not really around their phones that much. I think it's a you know a lot of team activities. Norvell said they have a bunch of stuff planned today um, to kind of uh, you know promote that. So that's a good good thing that's coming out of this trip as well. Byer Sinone, uh, do you want to hear me sing anything from the Chili Pepper concert last night? I'll let the the users. If we get three buys on this, I'm singing it. Sinone, save us. Well, there's there's two Sinones already, but if we get three buys, it's yeah. happening in the next minute here. So let's see if these people want to speak. All right, let's get let's get to recruiting. Uh, there's a handful of things to go over, including your roundabouts and whereabouts in Jacksonville. Uh, but first, let's get to the commitment news from today, and that was that three-star defensive line prospect from Savannah, Tavian Gadsden, commits to the Knolls. He's ranked 683rd nationally. He's a number 79 defensive lineman in the country. 24 sevens higher on him than the industry. I think his composite grade is like an 87, uh, but 24 seven has him as an 88. So yeah, the, the high end uh, for sure with Tavian Gadsden. Zach, you're able to catch up with him. You had an exclusive interview uh, ready to go. Kind of had an idea this was coming, I guess, for a day or so, if not longer. Uh, so what, what did Tavian tell you about the commitment and uh, why did he pick Florida State over some SEC schools? Yeah. So um, Tavian visited Florida State officially. Um, back in June, he was actually at the elite camp as well in early June. Um, so he was there. He was at FSU twice. He went to Tennessee and Kentucky unofficially in June as well. And then he went back to Tennessee. Um, Sorry, muting Zach real quick. We had people three buys. Sorry, Zach. I just got to sing it. Standing in line to see the show tonight. And there's a light on. Heavy glow. So now this is why people cancel. <laughs> Dane's giving a thumbs down. Dane, come over here. Dane, come over here. Dane, sing something for the Chili Peppers, please. I'm not wearing a shirt, man. Okay, you're not wearing a shirt in Zach's hotel room. Okay, uh, enough with Dane. Move on. Uh, Zach, continue it. Uh, bye, Dane. <laughs> All right, so Tennessee unofficial visit at the end of July for Tavion. Um, at that time, like, I'll be candid, like. It, this wasn't always a sure thing. Like people, you know, we I put in a crystal ball after his June official. I think 
he gave FSU indication that he was coming then. Um, things kind of dwindled a little bit with the communication for, on both sides. This is really important information. Brendan, please pay attention. Um, and and over the next month or so, things were uncertain. But over the over you know this past week leading up to the commitment, it was pretty clear that Florida State was going to be the choice. Um, I got word, I think, you know, about a week ago and then got up with Tavion a few days um, later for that pre-write. Um, but yeah, they beat out uh, mainly Tennessee, Kentucky. He had Georgia. They, they were, they offered him early on. You know, I don't, I don't know whether he's a take probably, probably not, I assume, but um, they were in his top five. Um, so it was, a, it was a bunch of SEC schools. Uh, there was word that he, that he was maybe, you know, preferring to play in the SEC um, but but Odell Hagens, John Papuchas, and others convince him to come to Florida State, um, and, and it's a good get. I think he can be a guy on the interior for them. Um, he put puts on some pounds, and I think he he can be a, a force on the interior. And, and he's a big body um, guy. He's like six four, two eighty. Um, you know, I'll let Brendan kind of get into the scouting of him. Well, I'll get. I'll, we'll throw it to Chris, but I want to present it in in the context of this question from Jonah Walden in the comments section. He asked, "Is Gaston closer to a Briggs? So is Dennis Briggs, who's kind of a defensive end, defensive tackle, inside outside guy for Florida State, or Jarrett Jackson, who's more of a three tech uh, in body type projection?" Chris, I guess how how would you view uh, Tavion and, and the future position at Florida State? I think right now I'd compare him more to Jackson than Briggs and more so Jackson when he transferred here from Louisville. Jackson came in kind of heavy at FSU. He's trimmed up, but he's a big body, really athletic kid, can do a lot. The thing with Tavian is he's a kid who's transitioning from being an edge to being an interior guy. He is a bit heavy in that regard, but he's going to be very good. Uh, he's just got to kind of figure it out, figure it all out. He's one of those guys that I think the mindset is still a little stuck on what he used to do, which was edge work. He's going to have to learn to be more of an interior guy. A couple of things I'll add to what Zach talked about. Major reason he's at FSU is people in his circle and people very close to him want him to play for Odell Higgins. They believe, one, he'll develop him. Two, he's just a good all-around guy. And three, that he's the kind of coach that's going to make Tavian into what he needs to be. Tavian is a kid who needs development. But if he is developed, the ceiling is very high. The ceiling is very capable which I think is kind of a fair comparison to what Jared Jackson has become in his time at FSU, where he has developed and he really shows flashes. The biggest thing with him, like most, is consistency, doing it over and over, you know, kind of willing himself through it consistently where he gives you every day, every practice, and you see the same thing over and over, which is what you get from a guy like a Fabian Lovett who kind of sets the bar in that position. But uh, I like Gadsden a lot. He did have an affinity for the SEC. I don't think he could have committed to Georgia today if he wanted to. I think Georgia was more playing a long game there. I think Georgia just has so many defensive line targets that they're not a rush at that board unless it's a guy that they truly have at the very top of that board. I'm not sure Gadsden falls in that category. That's no knock on the young man. That's just simply Georgia's recruiting at an extremely elite level. They're getting guys that are a little bit more ready-made. Gadsden needs a little work, but I think long-term, he's got to be a good one. So check out a comprehensive scouting report that Coach A.B. and Kev Little did on the Knowles 24-7 YouTube page earlier today. Uh, I did my own little side one on Knowles 24-7 as well, kind of a different look. I think multiple voices on a prospect are always a good thing. Uh, but but ultimately, I know Bud Elliott said he really likes him as well. He was chimed in on the Knowles 24-7 message board as well today. So uh, with Tavion, I, I think that's very much like a projection-based guy, which is typically the case for most uh, interior defensive linemen unless like it's an elite prospect. 
I think ultimately, Tavion, you're projecting that he's going to be able to add weight and kind of like what Joshua Farmer has done, right? Like you've heard all three of the guys talk about Josh Farmer, kind of similar body type with the frame. Uh, Got to see if he can put on weight and if he maintains his athleticism, which is definitely above average at defensive end. If he remains above average moving inside defensive tackle, then you're talking about a high-end athlete as an interior pass rusher. Uh, So that's the upside there. It's a good win for Florida State. Uh, Continue to really do a nice job in the trenches and the 2023 recruiting cycle. Uh, they also last week got a running back commitment for, from uh, the area that you guys are in now in the Jacksonville area, I think Fleming Island. And that's Sam Singleton. He's a four-star prospect. We've talked about it at Knowles 24-7 on the YouTube page. It's been breakdowns. Uh, you probably, if you're listening to the podcast feed, uh, the X's and Knowles guys talked about him with Zach Blostein. Uh, hi, Zach. Uh, a few days ago, Chris, we haven't gotten your thoughts, though, on, on Sam Singleton. So just real quick, uh, thoughts on Sam. I know you've, you've read our scouting reports. You've listened to the content we've done. I guess what are your thoughts on, on Sam? Do you differ much in, in our opinions on him? I mean, he's a cut-and-go guy with very good top-end speed. He's a track athlete. I think he's going to have to refine his running style a little bit in the sense of in the college game, you can't leave yourself that open like he does, kind of running upright at times. But the speed is there. The speed is a really nice thing if he consistently catches it. With that kind of speed, with what Mike Norvell and the offensive attack does, he can be an asset in a lot of ways. All right, so let's get into a few more things uh, before we finish up the podcast. Uh, let's see. All right, I got one. I put in a crystal ball for Blake Nicholson uh, a few weeks ago, linebacker from California, high-end priority for Oregon, Florida State, uh, Wisconsin's apparently getting in the mix. Fellas, tell me I'm wrong on that crystal ball, that it wasn't premature. It wasn't premature. I feel pretty good about where FSU is. Um, FSU did a phenomenal job with the end of July visit. He, his parents, his trainer all came in. Uh, he and his parents were there for four days. Uh, you know, they went and checked out potential places for them to move. FSU's done a great job there. Derek Ray's kind of led the charge. Randy Shannon's done a good job as a position coach. Uh, you know, Wisconsin is a recent offer, and Blake seems to be one of those that legitimately likes to give interest to anybody that's interested in the sense of, you know, if you call me, I'm going to listen. But I don't think it's going to be Wisconsin. And, you know, he's he gave Zach a recent date here. I'm not even sure he, if he gets to Wisconsin before he gets to that date or the time frame at that date. Yeah, I, mess, I asked Blake uh, this past week, um, you know, if there was any update to his decision timeline. He told me, quote, I'm thinking towards the end of August or early September. So that's probably, what, one game that he could maybe hit um, if he's trying to do early September. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm with Chris here. I still think um, – I still like FSU. Uh, so, you know, Brendan, um, you're still safe for now. For mm. now. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm still confident there. And, and for context, it's August 11th. I know most people know what the date is, but I also feel like this summer has flown by particularly faster than other summers. I, don't worry, I'm not going to sing Black Summer by the Chili Peppers. I think we're – got all out of the system do you want me to chris no no sir okay good just making sure uh but that it could be within the next couple of weeks so that is that's coming up if you prevent him from visiting anywhere else that's a really good development uh i put in a crystal ball for kj kirkland top 500 prospect nationally cornerback safety type uh to kentucky uh do you guys want to convince me i'm wrong or just move on i think you're wrong huh well you're dead to me all right, moving on. Uh, I want to put in a crystal ball for four-star, probably soon to be five-star wide receiver, Hakeem Williams for Florida State. Uh, tell me that's not crazy. Uh, 
if Hakeem Williams was deciding today, I would say you're not crazy. But he's going to take visits right before the decision, including one to Texas A&M, who I think is the greatest contender to overthrow FSU, and they concern me the most. And, you know, recruiting is what it is this day and age. I don't feel particularly great that FSU is able to close that with him stepping into college station right before the decision. And not just that, he's also, I mean, that's going to be, what, four games into the season for FSU? I mean, that's, if they're going to land Hakeem Williams, they're going to have to win, but that means they're going to have to win early. Um, and I think that's really, um, I mean, they, they've got some tough tests, right? Like LSU, Louisville, um, even Boston College. So I don't know. It, it'll be tough. Um, I think FSU probably has to get him back on campus if they want to land him um, for one of those games. Um, but man, yeah, Texas A&M is going to be hard to beat, especially since they're getting him to come on an unofficial on his own dime to go over there to College Station and, and watch a game. Brendan, why are you rolling your eyes? The own dime thing. Um, <laughs> Texas A&M has missed out on some wide receiver prospects, and that just will turn up the heat on Hiking Williams, who's you know still uh, very much so attainable. So. It, bumpy, bumpy, fun ride, I think, for the next month or so. I think there'll be some twists and turns to that. Um, uh, Chris, was that you who just texted? Okay, cool. Uh, hurrying up here. Uh, Dane, do you have any crystal balls you want to drop? Dane? Come in here. What? <laughs> um, do you have any crystal balls you want to drop? <laughs> no. He says no. Show him, though. Make him feel uncomfortable. Dane, you don't have any... Think about the content. You don't have any crystal balls you want to drop? What are you drinking? My phone. Okay. <laughs> I don't I don't have any crystal balls to drop. All right, get out of here. He's gotten so much better on camera. He's a natural. He is. Uh, as long as we're not talking about gorilla genitals. Chris, uh, what have you guys been doing uh, in Jacksonville other than covering practice for the last day or so? Uh, we went and, got, went and got some barbecue at Bearded Pig this afternoon. Uh, How was it? It was really? good. How was it compared to, uh, uh, what was it, the smoke pit that we went to in Concord? Uh, two, two weeks ago. Lesser than that. Okay. The right. place in Concord was pretty damn good. It was good, though. I would definitely go back again. Um, you know, I intend to when me and Chris and the boys come back over here to the beach. We'll probably go. Uh, we went to Metro Deli, which is a regular here. I'm sorry, not Metro Deli. Metro Diner. I love Metro Deli. Metro Deli in Metro Tallahassee. Tallahassee. So, yeah, Metro Deli. You want to, if you want to sponsor but, on the bench, we're available. Metro went to Metro Deli. Diner yesterday, which was good to eat. Um, we stopped by the beach because we were out there after going to the barbecue joint. Uh, very hazy evening. Chris, like what recruits have you gone to talk to? <laughs> <laughs> That's what oh, I was uh, trying to say. We went to the pool. Up. We went to the dog. Well, I, dropped, just, I, dropped, I thought he was going to do one restaurant and then go to the next. He just kept I'm going. sorry. you got to be specific with me at this point. I'm tired. Um, we rode in town and saw Rod Kearney yesterday, which was enjoyable. Uh, big fan of IHOP. And then today we tried to go see a certain really good defensive tackle, but that didn't work out for us because of a situation near his school. <laughs> um, yeah, so they didn't have football Dane. practice. Okay. <laughs> Zach? I said RIP Dane. <laughs> standard casualty no yeah. that's not funny i, I no. dropped dane and zach off at another school when i was talking to leonard hamilton so i'll let zach talk about that one no comment um okay. <laughs> we will finish up the podcast here are we yeah wrap it up you know zach up. you know what zach you stick the landing this is all on okay. you buddy graduate for brendan for brandon sanon for christopher okay. knee for zach blossom and for dane draper 
This was on the bench live um, for those on the podcast feed. Make sure to tune in next time. We appreciate you guys. Peace out. Dane, come say goodbye. Peace out. He's <laughs> <laughs> so awkward. <laughs> Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road, any road, the steeper the better. Because my all new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.